Hey everyone, I am Katherine Druckmann. I am back here with Doc Searles, who you know, and uh, maybe somebody who, I, well, you haven't heard uh, Joe here yet, so I'll go ahead and introduce him. Joe Brockmeyer is a person you may know from the open source community. You may know from his work at various places, including Red Hat, uh, Percona, uh many other places we, we, which we can get into but this is joe's first time on this podcast thank you joe for joining us thanks for having me i'm really excited yeah so so here's here's a little a secret how we how we uh find guests is we we go through our our kind of friends list our contacts people we know and think you know who has a really great radio voice and <laughs> And then we try and talk him into coming on. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you may notice Joe, Joe is made for this made for this uh, format, but which is actually kind of a nice segue into one of the things we wanted to talk about. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to remind everyone, because I, I forget to do this lately, that we have a website. It is reality2cast.com. That's the number two in the URL. You can sign up for newsletters, which we sometimes send out, and usually because Doc has, has something brilliant to share, and, and that's how you get it. And uh, and also thank you to the people who have pitched in on coffee and Patreon and, and various places. We really appreciate that. I'm always really kind of blown away and surprised every time it happens, so thank you for that very validating and flattering um and thank you for listening and i also do want to plug because i keep forgetting to do this uh the other podcasts that we are involved in uh, doc and i you can you can hear in fact you can hear well this won't be out then but um tomorrow we're recording a new floss weekly and that is twit.tv slash floss dash weekly i believe but anyway you can find us there look up twit.tv slash floss Oh, is that it? it? Just floss? Yeah. Okay, cool. Excellent. Yeah, that's the, that's the um, short, short URL. Okay, that's much better than, than what I imagined. <laughs> so find us there, and you can find me at Open at Intel, a podcast that I do in my work life, and that is, uh, actually, you can find that at open.intel.com slash podcast now, which I'm pretty happy about. Um, so yeah, so so those are some some other places where you can hear some, well, we hope wisdom <laughs> But at least uh, you can hear our voices. Uh, so anyway, today we are talking kind of about content. And I'll, I'll kind of tease it, but then I'll let Joe, I'll turn it over to Joe to introduce himself a little bit more and, 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 and bounce this around. But what started our conversation was that WordPress is turning or has turned 20 years old this year. And WordPress has, has frankly played a pretty significant role in all of our lives and our work and personal lives, I think. Um, I, I used it even for, for sites that we spun off back in the Linux journal days. If you uh, remember our little um, alternative presidential campaign of 2008, that, that was me and that was WordPress. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, so, so, so we're, we're, we're talking about just kind of online communication and formats and, and how did we get to where we are today, right? We've gone through blogs, we've gone through social media, short form, long form. Um, so yeah, that's the topic of the day, and I, and now to you, Joe. Tell us, tell us what you're doing now. Tell us, tell us what's going on with you. Yeah. So um, these days, I work for Percona as head of community, um, and I also Percona for those folks who are listening who may not be overly familiar with Percona. Percona is the open source solutions database company. So we support mysql postgres and mongodb for folks and um, also produce those as well as backup and clustering tools everything 
open source, um, which is one of the reasons that the 20th anniversary of WordPress caught my eye, because without MySQL, there's no WordPress. Without WordPress, yeah. MySQL, so many people would never have touched it. Um, I, you know, I was a budding geek back in the day when WordPress was first launched, yeah. but, um, you know, wouldn't necessarily had any cause to be tinkering with the database otherwise, because I wasn't a DBA or anything like that. So that's the day job. And then in um, my copious spare time, when I'm not herding cats, <laughs> literally. Um, what is spare time? What is spare time? Exactly. Yeah. Um, when, I, when, when my my family and I aren't herding our, our parcel of five cats and two dogs, um, then I am working on a couple of websites. Dissociated Press is a site that I've been maintaining for more than 20 years, which is how I ran into WordPress. And then um, one that I just launched literally this weekend using WordPress, which is Indie Web Journal. We can we can talk a little bit about ah, that too. I haven't seen that yeah. yet. Yeah, it's brand it's brand new. There's one post, so uh, not a lot not a lot to see. But that's that's what uh, keeps me going most of the time is is those the day job and the side projects. I, I'm wondering about uh, when you said you're we were a budding geek. I wonder if geeks reproduced by budding. Like you butted out somebody else. <laughs> I hope not. That's, that's a horrible thought. What, Please stop what, if you do. This thing growing <laughs> off your shirt. That's, that's a geek that's growing off my head. My, <laughs> it's like that scene from Aliens. No, yeah, no. yeah, um, exactly. Or, or something. Uh, <laughs> Doug, uh, uh, what's his name? He did the Hitchhiker's Guide. Douglas Adams came up with, yeah. Mm-hmm. Zaphod Bubelbox. The guy with two, two um, faces or two heads. <laughs> two heads. Uh, well, it's I, funny I, that I, you mentioned. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I just wanted to, to get us off on the wrong foot by asking, because I can't resist it, um, about your uh, your start in radio, because I was looking at your, you know, one of your many sites, and uh, and and you sound, you sound, I've been accused of sounding like a radio, you sound more like a radio than I do, and, um, but they, most people don't remember that, because it's so like the sound of a good old AM radio voice, you know, I can't get down far enough now, um, it, it's not... You know, nobody young has ever heard that. So, but I'm wondering where, 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 where did you start with that? What was that, that background? Um, well, I mean, I got the, I got the bug from watching WKRP when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I awesome. wanted to grow up to be Dr. Johnny Fever, right? Um, one thing that I, I never picked up on in the show because I was a kid and didn't really think about that. He was always broke, which was important <laughs> later on. Um, it really but, is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Um, but I got to start. I was very fortunate, actually. I had a, a fantastic college advisor to community college, and I was um, focusing on communications, and I wanted to go into radio. One day he walks up to me. We're doing, you know, next semester classes, and he says, uh, I have a friend who runs this radio station, and we'll set you up for independent study credit. You work Sundays, Saturday, Sunday mornings, 6 to noon because he's been looking for somebody and I'll give you independent study credit. And I just sailed right into an actual paying gig in radio, which was um, about 30%. uh, KSLQ in uh, Washington, Missouri. It was run out of a tiny house, actually. The the owner of the station, a guy has moved on now, a guy named Ken Kinsey, lived above the station and uh, my entire introduction to radio was walking in on Sunday morning for the first shift. He stumbles downstairs. He turns on because it, it had an AM, FM, and AM was dawn to dusk. So he flips all the switches to turn on the AM transmitter. 
points at a couple of things and you know starts to walk me through the pots on the board and all that and then he he says you know now i'm going to do the weather and he had in the other room he just had a tv playing the weather channel he'd copy the weather <laughs> off of and he's like i'm going to do the weather here's you know here's where you turn on the mic here's this that and the other and then just before he turns on the mic he drops the cans on my head and says why don't you go ahead and do it flips on the mic and i'm just like <laughs> Deer in the headlights, and um, I was actually okay, except for the fact I couldn't read his handwriting. So I'm trying to read the weather off of his handwriting. <laughs> it's like, uh, today there will be, what's this for? Um, but it, it was great. It was, uh, it was falling at eight miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, I did that for about a year, and then I went on to university and managed to luck into an actual job at a classic rock station in Kirksville, Missouri, um, KRXL. And it was uh, part of a three-station sister stations all in one building, KR KRXL, KRX, and KTUF. KTUF being the country station. Pro tip, if you work in radio at night and you're the only person in the station, you don't want to work at the countryside because all the songs are three minutes. You want to be able to put on Inagata DeVita and walk oh, yeah. out of the bathroom so if you have to. Yeah. Um, so put on a little Pink Floyd, go get yourself a sandwich, come back. Put on, you know, put on, hey Jude or uh, MacArthur Park or, uh, or the long version of uh, The Doors Light My Fire. Those were those were going to the hedge songs uh, <laughs> in, in Top 40 and Classic Rock Radio. Yeah. That's too funny. Um, so yeah, that's how that's it. I did that for several years while I was in college. And then when I graduated, um, they offered me a news director job, which was not enough to pay my student loans. I realized after about six months and, um, went from there. So I, I my very first, uh, on the air experience was at WDNC in Durham, North Carolina, where wow. Sunday mornings consisted of, um, mostly church stuff, you know, and, and mm -hmm. they, they were on big reel to reel tapes that were played on, on an Ampex deck that was the size of a dishwasher. And, and, and I, I was sure nobody was listening. So I introduced Oral Roberts as anal Roberts just to see what happened. <laughs> and the answer was nothing. <laughs> so, so I'll share my favorite story about the station, the first station I worked at, they had switched from a beautiful music format to pop. And, um, but they had retained some of the customers, including funeral homes, which yeah. were big in the area. <laughs> and so every morning, uh, at seven 45 and 11 45, you had to read the funeral announcements, which were faxed in, you know, because there was no, you know, internet to speak of at the time, they were faxed over by funeral homes. And so you have these illegibly scrawled <laughs> funeral uh, forms that we're supposed to read on the air. And there was a lady every week because she didn't like the new music. She would only tune in for the funeral announcement. So she would flip the dial at 7.45, 11.45. And if you missed it by five minutes, she would call up and expect you to read the dead people over the air or over the <laughs> phone to her. And finally, after about a year of that, uh, uh, the other guy who took over the next shift picked up the phone while I was walking out. He's like, look, do you have a request? Like, who are you waiting for? We'll call you. When... <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, reading reading the funeral announcements probably qualifies as my least favorite part of radio ever. Um, so, 
I, so I have more stories about that kind of thing, but we're here to talk open source. So yeah, we are. Take I, it away. I, I do just really quickly. This is really funny because I mean, obvious. It's no surprise we're all here, right? But we all mm-hmm. have a little bit of that. Um, I don't think I've ever actually said this, but I was such a nerd that I was that person in middle school who did the morning announcements. So I might mm-hmm. argue oh, really? that was probably yeah. my start. I, I probably I think I used a mic that looked pretty much like the one I'm using right now, mm-hmm. like the Elvis mic. And yeah, I read I read the morning announcements, and and I I was that nerd. Good morning, and we had a little radio call sign, and every oh god, <laughs> so embarrassing, but it's true. And somehow it has led me to where I am right now, and there we are with a little WordPress thrown in along the way. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so WordPress, WordPress is cool. WordPress, um, yeah. So tell us about this this new thing. What what is your vision for for the indie website? Yeah, um, so it kind of goes. It kind of goes back to. I realized when you know Twitter started circling the drain that I had over the years given up more and more control of my online presence to various entities. Um, that I had been, I had been very active on Twitter. I've been on Twitter since 2007, and, and I had a love hate relationship with it, like a lot of people. Yeah. Mostly love, a little bit of hate, um, and realize that, um, you know, all the things that you had given up over the years, the, you remember web circles and, and mm-hmm. blog rings and things blog like rings, that and yep. following everybody that you knew and liked on RSS and basically giving over all this control to any entity um, that they can just pull the plug or arbitrarily make choices, uh, changes is kind of incompatible with what I want from publishing things on the web. Um, and I, I don't, uh, I don't pretend or imagine that everybody in the world needs or wants to hear what I have to say, but it's important to me and I want to have control over it. Um, so Indie Web Journal is something I've been thinking about for a while, which is reclaiming some of my, uh, some of the things I've given up control over with computing, not just on the web, but also, um, you know, I've noticed I've got about a hundred some odd dollars a month in subscriptions to web mm. services. Some of those things have not given up. Um, um, you know, I, I let fast mail host my email and that's 90 bucks a year well spent. And I know that if they ever go evil, it's all open formats that I can, you know, pull back if I need to. Uh, but letting someone else run my mail server is well worth a hundred bucks a year. Right. Um, but other things, there are plenty of services I could stand up like WordPress that I can, I'm mm-hmm. perfectly capable of doing on my own. And I feel like I should. So I'm going to be documenting that. And, and that's the initial plan is documenting, um, taking back some control over different applications, everything from, uh, desktop operating system to services like, you know, switching from Dropbox to Nextcloud or something like that, having more options where you're not spending quite as much mm-hmm. money, but you're learning how to host and manage these services yourself. Um, Mastodon is another good example. Right now I use, you know, just the big Mastodon social, but at some point I might like to host my own instance and have more control over that once I understand managing an instance a little bit better. Yeah, I actually, so it's funny you mentioned this. This is something, you know, if people, for regular listeners, this is, a, this is a, con- a familiar conversation. It's something we've had um, quite a bit, actually, with Kyle Rankin as a good example. But, mm-hmm. you know, earlier in the, earlier in, well, last year, when the Twitter, uh, you know, 
turned into what it is now, or started on the path to what it is now. Yep. Um, we started talking <laughs> dream, a lot like about dream. Mastodon, right? <laughs> and I, I have the exact same feeling as you. That's, a, that's the time I resurrected. I had taken down, because I was just kind of tired of it, my personal WordPress site. And I had a static personal site, and it was fine. And I wasn't, wasn't really posting anything. Um, but I, re- I created a new web, a uh, new WordPress site for myself because I wanted to control my home on the web and the, the Mastodon is the same thing. Um, we, you know, for the, the podcast and my personal account, it's self, I mean, it's not self-hosted. I use a managed service, but I control, I, I am the admin of that, of that, uh, instance, because again, I don't want to, I don't want to have to rely on somebody else's curation or, uh, block list, or I want, I want control of it. I just, you know, I want to do it myself. And if, if we get our, you know, instance blocked, it's going to be because of something we did, not somebody else. Right. right. Um, so it's, it's just, a I, we, I've gone through the exact same thing in the last year or so. And a lot of other people are too. So I think that that's interesting that we're all, you know, a lot of us are kind of on the same page there. Well, there's the, you know, and there's the, I think, I think we're having a moment, right. Where everyone is starting to realize, um, what control we have given up just across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the whole Cory Doctorow theory. I don't really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big fan of the word and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's going to very rapidly, de- de- you know, I read, I read his post about it. He's right on a lot of things. I agree with Corey about 90% of the time. Um, but the word is one where you're, you basically, you're, you're limiting your audience and you're, and you're making it very easy for people to ignore you with, with that kind of a term. But also I can already see people grabbing that term for, to mean anybody charging for something, whether they like it or not, or whether they should or not. Right. That's, um, rapidly kind of going downhill. Um, but yeah, like people are starting to take notice of the trend of things like Reddit, you know, the, the Reddit Mm -hmm. situation where, Reddit is flagrantly kind of giving its users the finger. Um, and um, the users are what makes Reddit worthwhile. The platform and all of those things um, aren't interesting until people come and show up with their content, right? Um, I used to subscribe to several Reddits of cat pictures or things like um, uh, obscure music and media. Um, you know, I love I love people who surface old songs that I had never heard the first time. Um, I have this kind of weird thing in my head about what's what the last time somebody might listen to an album, uh, and so I'm kind of obsessed with keeping those things alive. Um, so yeah, I think I think we're having a moment where people are realizing what we have given control over to, and that the web can be something better. Mastodon is a great example of you know people being able to to stand up their own instances and do whatever. I feel like we still lost something with Twitter though, in that. Absolutely. Um, I don't see some of the same things across my feed anymore. Um, some of that's not terrible. I don't see as much bad news, but, um, but then again, I don't see some of the news. So what's yeah, that? It's, yeah. It, it, when we haven't found, found a replacement for that kind of real time, New, you know, dissemina- dissemination of news and other important information and, you know, current events and disasters and all this stuff where where it felt like a really great place to be plugged into the world. And now it's, I don't know, I just feel like I get promoted the absolute worst content. It's useless. It's some kind of weird 
you know, right wing clickbait or something. And why it's why it's coming to me, I have no idea. It's well, so strange. Here, here are a couple of one thought or one observation and one thought. I'm not sure what to do with either one of them. The one observation is uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had, uh, we're in Bloomington, Indiana. So they have um, tornadoes here from time to time. And so, and they've got civil defense. I mean, there are sirens that go off and, you know, you get a, a note on your phone. Um, and the note on the phone said, go to the basement. If you have one, there's a tornado watch. It wasn't just a warning. One had been sighted or was spotted on radar or something like that. So, and my wife was from Los Angeles had never seen any of this before. So we go to and huddle in the corner of this back. If you're those, you, we could see this, but we, this is an old, that's the coal bin behind me. That's where in the basement of this house built in 1915 or something. And I, being a radio guy, I of course turned on the radio, turned on the local AM station, which is the only one. And there was a guy talking to another guy about tattoos. Um, and on FM, there was nothing but music, including the public station, which is, rather large at the at Indiana University, nothing there. But, and my wife says, wisely, well, just go check Twitter. Well, Twitter had all kinds of stuff. It was mm -hmm. still good for that. It was still good for that. And yeah. so here's, here's the question, and I'm not sure it's even an answerable one, and maybe two parts to the question. Part one is, are we always going to need the giants? Are we always going to need the centralized systems that give us, in a real estate sense, a place? There's a place called Twitter. We call these things domains with locations and addresses. There's very much real estate um, expressions. And we think of these as places, spaces. And they're not real in the physical sense, but they are in the virtual sense. And we operate there. And are we always going to need them? We're always going to need, there's always going to be some kind of evolutionary thing that happens where the winners, so to speak, have the responsibility to maintain these kinds of um, places. And s along with that, um, what can we do to keep the best of them? I, d I don't really know. And I'm, I'm, Elon Musk has made it abundantly clear that it's really possible for an asshole to come into the middle of it, just seriously screw it up. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, he has chased so many people away and I'm still there but the there feels very different. Yeah. I've like never commented on politics, and for that reason, I never see any bad stuff. Nothing is mm. aimed at me that's like that. The algorithm's working for that. You know, I, I go there for news and a little bit of sports and to point to things that are somewhere else. And and I've got, oh, so well, I used to have 25,000 followers. Now there's like, you know, 22,000 or something. It's still a substantial number, but I tend to think of followers the way a parking space thinks about traffic, you know, like, okay, you know, 50,000 cars went by today, but one parked or five parked, those engaged, right? So I'm not sure followers means anything. Um, not like, not what it did when blogs were a thing and you had blog rules as you were talking about, Joe, and you had RSS feeds and other people subscribed to your RSS feeds. It's very, very different. But anyway, I don't what, what are your thoughts about that, Joe, that do we need the giants? I think we, we need some sort of centralized space and a um, little bit of a soapbox for me. I think we've got this thing in our society where we want those things to exist, but we don't want the responsibility of creating them. And, um, you know, 
it's entirely possible for an institution like NPR or PBS or something to be that. So you, know, you could go a nonprofit route for something like that. I was glad to see uh, Mozilla was talking about uh, doing a Mastodon instance or something like that. And I would love, I would have loved years ago, but better late than never to mm. see Mozilla take up the flag of saying we will be that online, you know, centrist. That's interesting. I didn't know they'd thing. done that. Huh. Yeah, they, they said something about they were going to get into Mastodon, and I haven't seen yeah, the result of that. Familiar. It's a um, different they at different times. You know, I've worked there, and you know, probably, mm. except for Mitchell Baker has run it forever. Yeah. Um, not many others stay there forever, so hard to say. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. A, a trusted nonprofit. You know, I mean, you have things like the Apache Software Foundation and Eclipse that we trust with um, the foundation for a lot of open source. Why not something similar for social media? Um, Mm. And it's it would take a lot of work and people are going to have to dig into their pockets. I don't know about y'all, but I do pay right now 10 bucks a month to the Patreon to keep Mastodon going, you know, the one, the instance that I'm on. Yeah, well, we um, pay for the hosting, so yeah. Yeah, so um, I think that the, if you want something like that to exist, um, you're going to have to, people who can afford it, like myself, are going to have to dig a little into their pockets and collaborate and make sure that it exists. And you can't just assume that it's always going to be run um, the way that you want it to. These are things mm-hmm. that you have to pay attention to, just like open source. Um, if you want something in open source to exist, if you're not involved, well, it's going to go the direction of the people who are involved, um, whether you like so, that direction or not. So uh, an example of somebody taking that responsibility is actually Matt Mullenweg, who did that with with uh, with WordPress. Um, Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm remembering, I, I put in our own little notes here, Way back when that started, there was a, uh, a com- not even competing, there was a standalone open source, but not licensed type open source, just we called it open source thing called movable type. Mm-hmm. And movable type had a kind of look to it. And somebody else knocked that off uh, with open source and created WordPress. But Matt was the guy that showed up and said, I'm going to make it a thing. I'm going to take this thing and make it a thing. And, um, a question about that, I just like your thoughts on that, is that a guy named Mark Pilgrim wrote about that as it was happening way back then, saying one of the reasons WordPress would win is because of the GPL, because it was GPL. And I'm not even sure it was GPL, but that's what I remember. But I'm wondering if licensing had anything to do with that or it was just the right place and time. And at the time, everybody could use it and it was kind of straightforward. I think if my memory serves right, I think Matt was the founder of WordPress. It came out of B2. It B2. A, uh, B2 is the thing I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the licensing had everything to do with it because yeah. that has provided, just like with Linux, it has provided a, once it reached a certain level of popularity, nobody could just fork it and make it proprietary and open core. Um, it, is, mm. it has kept that community going in, in the same direction. Um, doesn't mean nobody can fork it. You've got the classic press uh, fork of WordPress these days. If you're familiar with that, it's one where they said, we don't like the Gutenberg block system. Mm. So they forked off of WordPress to keep that classic WordPress look and feel. Um, Which you could do on WordPress anyway. 
I've never used sure. the blocks. Oh, sure. I've, I've just used the classic. I've been trying to learn to love the blocks with uh, somewhat <laughs> limited success. Um, <laughs> and, um, well, it works for some things, and it just does not work for others. And it's one of those, um, once you get used to the system, it works really well up until it doesn't, and then it's impossible. Um, oh, boy. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, yes, I think the, the, the appeal of it is, is that I can, I can go... It's kind of limited HTML, but it looks like HTML. You're going to do HTML inside of it and mm-hmm. it ain't yeah, hard. And block, right. I thought, so, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. You know, you talk about it. So WordPress is GPL, but so is Drupal. And Drupal has, you know, the community. There's a, it's a protection mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. sort of the community. Uh, same, same story. But still, WordPress has been, and, and I was should say, I was a very long-time Drupaler. Much love to, to the Drupals. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But WordPress has still been so, you know, massively more successful than anything else out there. Yeah, um, they know, have of, of that ilk. They have very different um, yeah. approaches, and yeah. Drupal WordPress is, has always been easier. It has, and there is, however, so we used Drupal when I was at Red Hat. I managed the blog at Red Hat for my last four years there, and Drupal is really not a blogging platform. Um, it's, and yeah, it's meant to be I, much more flexible. Yes. Um, but it was, I got to, you know, that ringside seat to everything else that it did. And, um, I wouldn't want to try to run a site like redhat.com using WordPress. That right. would be yeah. bonkers. Right. Um, Which is why Linux journal, we use, you know, Drupal because yeah. you, you need it in certain circumstances. Yeah. Um, so I don't think the GPL alone um, is enough to make your project successful. Obviously it's, it's that combination of it has to be something that a, a well-run community, which I think Matt has done a great job and, and the other WordPress, like I think they have listened to the community and, and encouraged people to take WordPress in its own directions. And I think they've also, listen to the community like wordpress when it started out was just a blogging platform and they have obviously listened to its community and said okay well obviously everybody is stretching wordpress in these directions right like to be a full site system and they've uh went along for the ride uh over time so um you have to you have to have the thing that everybody wants the right license and the right governance in the community touch yeah, and, and going back to your original point of you know that, that this is how people people many many times in my case I had no, I don't think I had ever touched a data a database mm-hmm. why why would I need that until I started you know poking around this is a million years ago now but but uh, I had an itch to scratch and and as you did back in in the olden days of open source um, you know I was like okay well I'm going to learn how this thing works and oh I'm going to dig in here to this databasey thing and, and I'm going to learn that because I need to in my case it was it was uh, to use Drupal more but also use WordPress at the same time because I kind of I learned both of them simultaneously because I you know they have different use cases and um, but yeah so that. And, and, and this, that conversation to me really ties into this other conversation about taking back control. Because, mm. again, back then, there was very much a culture of well, you just dive in and you figure it out and it's yours and you bang on it. And today, it's, well, you sign up for Substack. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how you get your, your writing out there. Yeah. And, and I love the idea of returning back to that kind of indie web, DIY, um, you know, uh, blog ring culture. But, 
again, it, you know, ease of use is, is always going to be a thing. Or at least, you know, back then, very much non-technical people were still hosting their own web WordPress sites somehow. Mm-hmm. They would figure it out. They'd get help from their friends if they needed. Um, but that was still part of part of that reality. And today, that is less true. And I, you know, as we get further and further from from needing to be at least a tinkerer, you know, I wonder what impact that has on our ability to um, reclaim our space. I guess. I think I think it's really blunted that ability, and people feel sort of a helplessness that isn't um, necessary. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I've started the other site, the Indie Web Journal, is is to encourage people. Look, if you're at 100% proprietary, fully other people hosted, subscribed SaaS lifestyle, and you take back 2%, then you're well ahead of the game, in my opinion. You know, I'm I'm not a I'm not a um, zealot about things. I'm very much mm-hmm. a pragmatist, and I know, um, you know, for example, what I will tolerate in terms of difficulty of use versus, say, what my wife or daughter will use. Uh, and tolerate in terms of difficulty of use and what they're willing to stand up is two different things. Um, but I, but then again, you know, my wife manages her own WordPress site too for her business. So there's still lots of people who have done it and can do it again. Um, and I would encourage anybody listening to this, like if you don't have some little slice of the web, your own domain, your own little space that you have, full control over, try it, like figure that out. Like even if you just sign up for wordpress.com, you know, you always have that escape hatch. You can always export that content and go elsewhere. Um, look into ways that you can own your own little slice of the web and, and start thinking about that um, as being something that you need to do. Yeah. I love that too. I would also say, um, I mean, I'm not a zealot. We are this podcast's newsletters on Substack. I kind I like Substack. I you know I think it it serves a purpose. I you know I but I also understand why people don't want to use it. Um you know. But yeah, I also yeah. but I also like to you know keep get my hands dirty in my own WordPress site and our own Mastodon instance and stuff like that. But people go to where where it's easy or somebody else makes it easy. Um I I hate to say how ridiculously easy it is to start a group on Facebook and mm-hmm. yet that's true. Um, you know, if you have people who were born in the, you know, four or five decades ago and they want to have a reunion and you, there's not an easier way in the world to do it than go onto Facebook, stand mm-hmm. one up and have it going this afternoon. There's a good chance most of the people you want to talk to are going to be also on Facebook. Um, but I, I want to say a few words about um, a recent experience with, with WordPress. It was very, very positive. Um, my, I had three blogs, including my personal blog and my project blog, which is project VRM, which has hundreds of active participants on a mailing list, at least the, the blog for that, the site for that. And my own blog were, um, at Harvard, they were at, uh, the Berkman center at Harvard, where I was a fellow in 06 to 10. And the idea then was that, well, the last blog I had, the, the host, basically the whole thing changed it went away and it's still kept somewhere. You can find it online. That's a good thing. Somebody's done some really good job with that, but it was on an, on a no longer used system. And, um, but the one at Harvard was, well, look, this company's, this 
place has been around since 1636. Chances are this host is going to be here for a long time. Well, mm. it ended in June. Um, they decided they didn't want to be in the blog hosting business anymore. And, but get this is a WordPress blog, um, with Matt's help and some other people, um, at, uh, Pressable, which is a WordPress, um, site, uh, a hosting service. We stood up my blog at doc.searles.com, which is actually redirected to the Harvard blog, plus projectvrm.org. And the third one is something called Trunk Leave, which is about um, infrastructure. It's a minor one, but the first two were really substantial um, operations. But at Harvard, they could just set up a reflector, so nothing got 404 All of those All of those sites are now on another server, not at Harvard, Yet if anybody goes to blogs.harvard.edu slash whatever, it'll go to the right place. And if WordPress had changed its, it, the way its directory paths worked, it would all be mm-hmm. fine. But it wasn't. I'm sorry. I'm from New Jersey. I had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you, you're, only, you're apologizing specifically to New Jersey. That's interesting. No, no. Apologizing for myself as somebody for whom that is our word for um. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was, was going to say, what, why New what, Jersey specifically? That's because I'm from okay. New Jersey, yeah. That's, oh, okay. That's, All right. yeah. that's yeah. what All dings right. are for I grew up there. production so Apple okay. doesn't get mad at me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the parameters are. I'm trying to I'm, – I'm deploying the uh, my old radio protocol. I generally swear like a sailor, but I have that switch in my head for working in radio. It's tough. I, I mean, is it – so – so th- th- this is actually almost a technical question. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Hickey on his a History of Rock Music and 500 Songs, which is a ridiculously good podcast, um, always says that he can't use profanity or he will get kicked off of, um, uh, or, or he won't be Apple compatible. He w- In other words, he'll be kicked off of oh Apple podcasts. And I, I wonder, did I just get us d- d- disallowed? No, from... I just I just beep it, or I you have, just beep. I have a little. Uh, I have a, it's a little, the producers uh, online here. Kind of a musical uh, sound effect that I insert. Yeah. I didn't realize Apple was that. Um... I'm not sure they are. I, I'm not sure they are, and that particular host isn't just. Extra you have conscious. to mark it as explicit if you're going to. You don't. You, okay. you can. It just you have to mark it, and then it's not great for your, you know, SEO or something. I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll, we'll we'll totally wipe out the toddler audience for this podcast if you have to make <laughs> it explicit. Yeah. Uh, all those toddlers <clears throat> interested in spinning up their own WordPress site. Actually, that would be great. You know why not? Absolutely. Start them young. My uh, my wife's uh, brother had a baby last year, Fiona, and I can't wait to start teaching her how to use Linux. That's going to be Uncle <laughs> right? Uncle Zonker's job. That, is that's teach, a great teach idea. the kid yeah, how to right? use Linux. That that actually that makes me sad because when you said that, I said you know you need to get her this little, um, I guess it's a plug for No Starch Press, but mm-hmm. somebody gave me this a long time ago. It's the mug of VI uh, and it's VI, I have it has oh, VI commands on a mug, and it's really and, and that makes me sad because um, the creator of VI passed away very recently at an, an yeah uh, that's very surprisingly young age. Bram, I can't remember his last Molinar. name. Molinar. I think I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. I feel terrible that I have never um, 
just dropped him an email. I've been using Vim for probably 24 years and um, love it. I've written a lot about Vim. I do most of my first drafts in Vim and um, had no idea that he was unwell and um, would have at the very least. I did not know he was gone at all. Oh, well, oh I'm sorry. It was just, That's... it was not too long ago. It was just a few wow. days. Wow. Listen to get for not writing for Linux Journal anymore. I mean, because yeah. there's a, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't yeah. know that. Interesting. Um, I learned, I learned, I think it was Saturday morning. And it's, it's really, um, talk about a gift to the world. Uh, Vim, the work that he did on that all those years and just directed people. I found out, I real I knew that he promoted that charity for kids in Uganda. I did not realize he was actually a co-founder and treasurer. I knew that he dedicated, you know, uh, he called them charity wear and asked people to make donations. Mm. Um, but I had no idea that that, that he was that deeply involved. Yeah. And, uh, um, of a rapidly developing medical condition, it says, yeah, Whatever that means, um, hmm. but, uh, I really, I, I wish I had uh, reached out just to sit and I mean, I'm sure he's gotten, literally thousands if not hundreds of thousands of similar emails but i wish that i had you know uh, yeah. actually done that because um I, I i went through the stages of grief with vim i had a boss that told me i had to use vim on the web server to edit the website my first job um in in linux and the first two weeks three weeks was just like I hate this. This is awful. I, I can't understand this uh, modal editor thing. And then the next two weeks, two, three weeks were acceptance. And then after that, I probably would have beaten someone with my keyboard if they tried to make me stop using them after that, you know? Um, at, at Linux Journal, it was required when I went Phil, mm-hmm. Phil Hughes had it. You're going to write in Vim, the, the VI. And VI, I think, started with Bill Joy, did it not? Uh, at yeah. BFD or something? Yeah. Um, and that that he stuck with it, but, um, or BSD either. Uh, he was yeah. not Linus about it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Vim evolved to be so much more than VI mm-hmm. and it is, yeah. um, mm-hmm. improved. Yeah. Much so. Um, I, I gave a talk about it actually in April at the open source summit in Vancouver. Oh, and yeah, I had some, right. you did. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Some people were lobbying me, like, why don't you switch to NeoVim? And I, part of it was just inertia, but part of it was like, I just would have felt disloyal switching. Why would I switch? You know? Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very sad that he, that he has passed, but what a gift to the world. Yeah. Well, I guess I, you know, may we all leave something that meaningful behind. Um, yeah, no kidding. I, yeah. Uh... I haven't figured out what mine will be yet, sadly. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and it's so funny you say editing, editing, uh, you know, the website on this web server with VI or Vim, or whichever the case may be. But um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, memories. <laughs> Going back to, again, the original, our original topic of WordPress. That's mm-hmm. pro- I, re- I remember doing that. I remember editing files for LinuxJournal.com live <laughs> on the web server. Yeah using VI or Vim. I can't remember actually at the time, but I, I was explaining that to a coworker. I, I, uh, at, at Red Hat, uh, somebody that I had hired in I fainted and, <laughs> and she just would look at me like you're doing that in production is like, yeah, why not? This was a hundred years ago. It was okay. Then nobody yeah. judged us. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, backups, what's that? Um, yeah. Oh, we totally had backups, probably. Probably. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. But yes, it was a, you know, and, and who, you know, we were all making it up as we go along back then, right? I mean, you know, just I because think, later in life I then, you know, followed a lot of, a whole, whole host of best practices and, and released software and did all sorts of fancy technical things. Back then, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and that's how you learn. Knowing what you're doing is sometimes overrated. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. How, how, you, how will you ever innovate if, you, if you're not if, flying by the seat of your pants? If you, if you don't know what's not possible, how will you try, right? Exactly. Um, and that's another so cool I, quote right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, good. But I, that might be the title. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there, you, <laughs> there you go. I just, I just want to, you know, kind of, you know, say, I really appreciate, I want to also voice my appreciation for WordPress and for MySQL, but all of the open source that has made it possible for people to do this all these years and uh, for us yeah. to come back to. I mean, 20 years is one hell of a long time for anything to uh, continue and thrive. And if you look at the numbers for WordPress, they are, depending on who you talk to, they're absolutely staggering how much of the web runs on WordPress. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it really and, is, you know, I know Matt's got a decent business, I, I think, I hope in automatic, mm. but, um, the value that's out there because of his work and everybody's work on WordPress is just far outstrips what they are able to pull in through automatic and wordpress.com and that kind of thing. Um, so I hope that it gets another 20 solid years and, um, hope I'm around to see it with my blog. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's tremendous. And, it, and it's, it's responsible. I mean, so Drupal and WordPress, because again, I had an itch to scratch 20 years ago or whenever, God, it probably was 20 years ago. Oh my God. Mm. What? Um, because of that, I, you know, that I, I owe my livelihood to that because that's how somehow I you know, meandered along this path. And as somebody told me recently, I, look, look at you, you accidentally built a career. And like, this is, you know, somehow all of those things, this dabbling in, in, in those early days is how I found myself all doing all of the things that I've done over the last 15 to 20 years. And, and um, yeah, so I mean, I owe a tremendous debt to the communities that built things like WordPress and Drupal and Linux and all yeah. of those things. Yeah, uh, and here we absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah. Doc, did you plan out your career carefully to wind up where you are, or did this? Uh, no. Did you also I, well, I. The the funny thing is that I. I mean, coming out of childhood, um, <clears throat> I wanted to do radio. I just wanted to be. I wanted to do radio in whatever ways. I, I like the engineering side of it. Um, mm. I also. I wasn't good enough at it. I, I did a year of ham radio, but I got sent away to a correctional high school and and didn't didn't have any. I mean, I'm. I was a horrible student, but anyway, but that so I got sent away. But, um, but I fell into a lot of different things, you know, including uh, uh, journalism. One of my first jobs is actually working for a local newspaper, a regional newspaper, and then, um, you know, but still did radio later. I know just a whole bunch of. I think I mean, with Linux Journal, it's just I, nobody would hire me as a journalist, and then Phil Win Phil Hughes came to me. And said, uh, "You want to work for Linux Journal?" And I said, I, "I don't. I'm not. You know, the only code I know is Morse." And um, <laughs> and, 
And he said, that's fine. You can use a typewriter. And uh, he figured out QWERTY, you know, mm-hmm. cover the cover the business side of Linux. And I ended up, by the end of it, I was the editor-in-chief, and I'd written a pretty large corpus of stuff over 24 years. So um, some of which ought to be a book. In one of these years, I get around to... Uh, to oh. making one, I think, because I to think plug our of... previous episode. Yeah, there's yeah. a book for that too. <laughs> I know, Sorry. I know. It's like uh, I, I don't know. Our I'm... previous episode was was with Kyle Rankin about his book that just about came his out uh, how, on to, how write to write one. a tech movie, which, by yes. the way, he wrote, I believe, all in Vim. I would believe Vim. that. Yeah, I yeah. think he's a Vim guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's great, um, and yeah. So I mean, um, the the funny thing is, I. I don't think I ever had a career, um, one career. I've always just done stuff. Whenever anybody, you know, somebody, they ask you to fill in what is what is your job and where do you do it? And, I mean, the one job I have right now is I'm a visiting scholar at a center at Indiana University, but um, mm. that's not a paying gig, okay? So that's not making uh. a job. So, um, yeah. I mean, at this point, nobody's paying me. For, well, I am, I'm paid a little bit here and there for stuff, but not much. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. You know, just uh, I'm cruising at this point. Could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> Blogging Could and always. cruising are not a whole lot different, actually. <laughs> That's actually true, yes. Um, actually true. Um, yeah, go ahead. Just, uh, yeah. Well, I was about to say we're, we're, almost, we're almost out of time. Um, but I, I did want to just quickly something that I kind of hinted at and we never really went into, but we kind of, we touched on it, but this, this kind of trend of, uh, content format, right? We, we mm-hmm. talked about how and back, back in the day, we were, everyone had a blog, right? Everyone had a blog mm-hmm. and then Facebook and Twitter kind of killed off all, but the, that's very, the more serious writers, yeah. um, people it didn't kill those serious ones too. I mean, and that's probably it really, true, that's, yeah. that's, that's what really discouraged me is that and the friends I had that were really good writers had really good blogs, went to Facebook and, and Twitter. Yeah. Twitter, yeah, now, Twitter, if you're keeping your blog is fine and pointing to your blog, but then, but going to Facebook is the audience is there and they don't feel or, like blogging you know, writing anymore. a long Twitter thread instead of a blog is a kind of a whole, yeah. a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, but now, I mean, our, we, we talked, we have talked and we talked even in our last episode about how um, maybe we're seeing a little bit of a tendency for people to go back to that longer form. It's, they're, they're picking their new platform more carefully. They are, um, embracing a little bit more independence and in some cases maybe going back to longer form writing which is interesting and i you know i don't know that i have anything else to say about that but it's an interesting thing to observe and and keep an eye on i don't know if y'all have anything yeah i think i think there is more uh more of a desire to do a slightly longer form i've been writing a series about the whole rel thing and Mm. people have seem to have been reading the whole things from the comments. Um, you could usually tell when someone is reacting only to the headline versus <laughs> right. has read the whole blog. Um, and a little bit of that. I don't know that we're ever going to get back to people digging into 3,000 word blogs on the regular, but um, hopefully things will boomerang back a little bit. But I'm trying to adapt to whatever format um, will reach people as, as best that I can. Yeah. There's a, um, I know I was looking for stats, like 40% of all the world's websites, one source says, are uh, are WordPress. But then I also read that 56% of all 
um, blogs are splogs, they're sp spam, and they're probably running on WordPress too. So yeah. of that 40%, some large percentage is, is, is faked up, but that's not a bad thing. It, I mean, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's the most handy building material there is out there, I think. And that makes it useful. I mean, you know, lots of bad places are built with two by fours, but nobody condemns two by fours for being useful. Right. Uh, yeah. One, one of the things I thought about, I was just looking for quickly looking for some stats for that. There's a movement I'm, I've been reading about somewhere about movement back to small towns. Um, mm -hmm. Some of it, of course, has to do with the pandemic and people saying, I just I don't need to be in the city anymore. I don't feel like going to a high rise and riding there in a subway or a bus. Um, I'm going to move to some small town where, you know, I've got a decent Internet connection. That's all I need. But I think there might be something similar to that with the hope for blogging. I think that, you know, having having your own place on the web is a good idea, mm -hmm. you know. The downside is the web is a whiteboard. It's not, we talk about it as real estate, but all of it could be erased. And you just hope that the internet archivals keep some of it alive. Oh, they are doing the Lord's work. I've been they able to recover so work. much. I, I love them. Um, yeah. yeah I, I went to their D web camp, uh, the last two of them, hmm. which I highly recommend. Oh my God. It, they do it at a place called Camp Navarro up in the Redwoods in Northern California. Um, but look it up, D-Web Camp. Um, mm. But that's done by the Internet Archive, and it's always really good, earnest people that are doing the Lord's work as, along with them, as they, they might put it. That is that is one of my yeah favorite organizations uh, in the world, right there. So yeah, yeah. Well, Br Brewster Brewster Kale has started it. It's just a good, good guy, you know, mm. really good guy, and wants to do the right thing and. Where would we, we be without it? It's kind of like yeah, the, the institutions that we have. Wikipedia is another one, you know, mm -hmm. just extraordinarily good and useful for all of its flaws. Um, but yeah. That's why these open tour, that, why all these open tools are really important is so that um, people can put them to good use like that. Um, they're good for commerce and things like that. But to me, they're really what I love is the really, you know, the people who dig into really obscure topics, um, who get really deep into something and these, these tools make it possible for them to share that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So well, cool. I'm, I'm looking around for your, your, um, your website, Joe, and I can't find it now, but there, there's uh, a picture of you at a polar bear crossing. And yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm wondering why the bear is black if it's a polar bear. <laughs> um, well, it's a, that's a standard warning sign format, right? <laughs> um, that's from Churchill, Canada. It's uh, a real place. They, yeah, they definitely have them there. Wow. Yeah. Um, I went on a polar bear excursion there uh, in 2015, and it was one of the one of the most fantastic things I've ever done. It was getting to see polar bears literally arm's length away was amazing. Wow. Um, and they didn't eat you or anything like that? Or what's the... They, they did not eat me. It was, um, I did, however, I think take a year off of the guy's life when I asked, so when do we get to hug the polar bears? <laughs> <laughs> wow. She kept a really good eye on me the rest of the trip, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah cannot be trusted. Yep. Wow. Wow. Well, on that note.
on that. We're glad you survived. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Um, okay well i think i think i think i'll wrap it up so so thank thank you both again for you know doing the thing and thank you you, joe for for joining us and having a really good time this has been great really enjoy the 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 kind of nostalgic nerding out yes and um, yeah and thank you everybody who's listened and and we will talk to you next time all right thanks